0: Good evening, citizens! Can you feel that in the air, howling in the winds? It's fortune. The winds of fortune, you could say. Now these winds are many fold and a variety of different opportunities have arisen in the recent days and for quick-witted citizens such as yourself, those opportunities are there to be taken. But first I'd like to touch upon something less awkward, of course, than Briar's growing flowers, but our own flowers, our children you could say, suddenly growing. You might have noticed across the last few months that a lot of the small ones have become a sizeably, well, a sizeably chunk larger. And we finally have a reason for that. So basing this entirely on what I heard down at the pub, let's dive straight in. And first I'd like to start with a little story that I overheard this evening. Reet glanced sideways at his teacher as they marched through the mud. Walking was boring he thought to himself. Calavesa was boring. Mile after mile of mindlessly meandering marsh. Ha! It was wet, it was cold, and it was boring. Hmm. No. That didn't work. This was more fun when Cursa was talking. But not a loose line had left her lips since light fall. He wrinkled his nose. Light fall? Night falls? Light doesn't really fall. How do you know? He said. Not his best question ever, but hopefully enough to get Cursor talking. How do I know what? Cursor responded without so much as breaking her stride. How do you know now is the right moment? He expanded casting a pointed glance at the great horn slung across Kerser's back. The scop smiled at her young protégé's question, but she only coughed meaningfully. Reet sighed heavily and screwed up his face in concentration and tried again. A hundred wild winters weathered, his voice haltering as he picked over each word before picking up speed. What Sparrow sighted now signals spring? He beamed up at Cursor. That was pretty good. The tall woman kept walking, but she grinned back at her apprentice in obvious approval. Still, she didn't respond. If anything, she increased her pace and Rita had to scurry to keep up. Not fair, he protested. I did it so you have to answer. The older woman laughed and then filled her lungs with air, allowing her voice to fill the glade as she recited the stanza. Wind the horn as winter comes to summon summer's night. But hold your breath till battle breaks, for aid is loaned not lightly. That's not fair, Reach shouted and stamped his foot causing a splash of muddy water to cover him and his teacher. I know that verse, I know the whole thing. You received the horn of hope from your master and so on and so on, I know that bit. What I can't work out is how do you know after all of these years that this is the moment to use it? Cursa looked at her student with evident disapproval, but the look melted as he pleaded with her. Please Cursa, just tell me. Cursa resumed walking, but she veered off the path towards a fallen tree. Sweeping her cloak wide over the rough bark, she sat down and indicated for Reet to sit next to her. He hopped up onto the trunk, happy for a break from the walking, as much for his success in getting Cursa talking. Do you know what a hero is, Reet? She paused for a moment to let the question sink in. A hero is someone who doesn't know. She stopped again for a moment before continuing. There's no heroism in throwing away your life in a doomed charge. And there's nothing heroic about a triumph that could never have failed. She looked at her apprentice but it was clear from the blank face staring back at her that more was needed. Doubt and fear come from the unknown. A hero is someone who doesn't know, but who chooses to act just the same. Reet stared at her, a look of horror on his face as he caught her drift. So, you don't know. He spoke slowly, struggling to take in the enormity of what Cursa was saying. We're walking all the way to Rundhal, the Horn of Hope, it's been kept safe for over a century. You've decided now is the time to use it, but you don't know? How could I know, Reet? She responded. Can I speak with the ancestors in the swamp? Will a mystic give me the answer, she asked rhetorically. Were we told to keep it safe, and only use it at the darkest hour? Well, the orcs have scarced, and the Jotun have the ice flows. Wintermark is half what it once was. That seems pretty dark to me. But how would anyone actually know if this was the moment that was foretold? We can only know for sure that we should have used it after the war is lost and we're all slain. Do you want me to wait until then?" Reet wrinkled up his nose once more, trying to take it all in. It made sense when Cursor said it like that, but still, it seemed like a pretty terrifying decision to make. Cursor pushed the young lad off the fallen tree and stepped down into the shallow water. Now, no more stops till we stand at Rindhal, and no more wasted words, not till the final feast is fed. Reet grimaced, but Kursa only laughed. What else makes a hero, Reet? She demanded of her student. Practice, he responded glumly. Hours and hours and hours of practice. That's right," the scop exclaimed. "It's two more hours to Runtow, and you can talk as much as you like all the way, way, all the way there, provided everything you say is in verse. Now you must forgive me. The uh, tail was tall and long, and I highly doubt—well, the thorn I was talking to at the bar." It was entirely coherent, but I think I've grasped the uh, the essence of it. But, for those of us who want to understand the news rather than the stories, Cursa Wordsmith is a scop from Woodheath in Hanmark. The latest in a long line of scops, she bears the Horn of Hope, a powerful artefact won from the Night of the Long Road, sometime in the year 273, Year of the Empire. According to legends, the horn could be winded only when Wintermark faced its darkest hour. But if that should be done, then the realm of Summer would hear the call and provide heroes to aid the Empire. Cursa and her forebears have guarded the horn for over a century. Until the Scop decided that now was the moment to draw upon its power. Accompanied only by her apprentice, she travelled to Rundhal in Calavesa to discuss the matter with the mystics there. There she found a coven of summer magicians willing to perform a powerful ritual to magnify the horn's effect. At the height of the summer solstice, they performed the ritual together, and at its conclusion, Cursa winded the great horn. According to onlookers, it gave forth a single note, so loud, that the horn shattered in her hand. And then, nothing. No summer heroes marched forth from the Regio. Days turned into weeks, and then to months. And still, there was no sign of any aid issuing forth from the summer realm to help the empire. Most people eventually concluded that Cursor must have chosen the time unwisely and the horn's magic had failed as a result. Only when everyone had completely stopped looking did a response come, and it was not where people had looked for it. While most of the Empire's attention is on the peculiar fog, and more on that another time, there is a second strange effect that slowly permeates the land. A number of young people, almost invariably those under 16, who have yet to come of age, have evidenced very noticeable growth spurts. The effects vary wildly, but in all cases they share one key detail in common. The child experiences a burst of energy and growth that lasts around a month at the end of which they have physically aged between one and three years. Now these spurts are clearly supernatural in nature. Every well designed divination reveals similar information, that each child is experiencing a coming of age due to a sudden burst of summer magic. There is nothing particularly harmful about the magic, rather it seems to encourage each child to grow swiftly. Towards their full potential. The children are simply blossoming with the aid of some powerful but subtle summer magic. The changes are not merely physical. Those experiencing them showed the same mental and emotional development as they do physical development. As a result, after determining that the effects are permanent, the Academy has been working closely with the Imperial Civil Service to prepare emergency tests of citizenship for those whose physical and mental age now marks them as adults. The Academy are far from the only people who are interested in this strange summer of magic. A highborn chapter named The Seers of the Barren Tree are happy to acknowledge that a winter marker may have provoked the effect, but they believe But something much more profound is happening, and they have a way to prove it. Likewise, many others are taking a keen interest in what this development might portend. The seers of the barren tree were founded allegedly in Woodbury in the year 317, year of the empire. By a charismatic preacher called John the Watcher. John was a scholar who came to Highgard to study and catalogue past life visions. He was inspired to found the Seers of the Barren Tree and after studying the life of Tarsus of Cassinia. As a young man, Tarsus managed to secure a dose of true Liao. Although the details of how he came by the Liao are lost, The vision was extraordinary, with Tarsus discovering that he was the reincarnation of a legendary Wintermark hero named Marjata of the Three Spears, a contemporary of Empress Rashild. Stories of Marjata's life paint her as a larger-than-life figure who achieved many remarkable deeds, including the destruction of the Crimson Artok in the mountains above Semasuak. The defeat of Agramant's terrible champion, Yedza Toothhunger, in the forests of Hysinia, and also serving as field marshal during the Battle of the Golden Groves, a key engagement during the conquest of Karsk. This extraordinary revelation created a great deal of expectation. Wonderful things were expected of anyone who was the reincarnation of such a legendary figure. However, like a lot of us, I'm not looking at any of you in particular, but you know who you are. In fact, Tarsus appears to have achieved no notable successes. He remained cloistered in his chapter house in Cassinia, tending to his fruit trees and never returned to Anvil. While such disappointments are not unknown, John became convinced that there was a reason for this particular failure. He believed that this great heroine had been reborn too early. The chapter house at Woodbury was based on John's teachings that the greatest heroes of the empire are usually reborn when the empire needs them most. Now this view is not exactly orthodox but the articulate philosophers of the barren tree have always skillfully parried any criticisms on that front. In fact, their engagement with the Synod was so successful that in 343 Year of the Empire, one of them was made gatekeeper of wisdom. With some effort, he was able to persuade his fellow gatekeepers to provide the chapter with a dose of true Lao so that they might test their theory. However, rather than employ the previous Lao immediately, it was instead secured in the Chapter House in Woodbury, with the gatekeeper's chapter mates, claiming that now was not the right time. It now transpires that this was the moment the Seers were waiting for. The Seers accept the Horn of Hope as the common explanation for the Summer Children, but they claim that Kierse's ritual only worked because so many great heroes have now been reborn. You can deny that these are tumultuous times for the empire but the seers believe that many of the great imperial heroes of the past 300 years have been reincarnated as a result in effect the summer magic only served to highlight a truth that might otherwise have gone unnoticed for many many years to test this theory the group have arranged with the tribune of the synod to have them ask the Council of Gatekeepers to allocate one additional dose of true Lao. The only proviso being that it must go to a virtuous child, someone who is now a citizen, but who on paper at least is under 16 years of age, and who publicly says that they will use the Lao to obtain a vision. Their hope is that the resulting past life vision will provide evidence to support their theory. Now, obviously, the Council of Gatekeepers can choose whether they wish to accede to the seer's request. But the true law remains the property of the Chapter House until it is gifted to the recipient, who have given strict instructions that it is to be returned to them if a suitable candidate is not chosen. Their expressed hope is that the gatekeepers will find the right individual by liaising with the academy and by speaking with young citizens to question them on their virtue and their ambitions. There is one other note to this tale. Alioi, one of the chief attendants of Phaleron, has taken every opportunity to discuss the summer children with any imperial magician who is available. The Herald is fascinated by the new development and keen to record key information about this moment in the great library. To that end, she has asked any summer child who is able to produce a short written account of themselves, stating who they are what and what they think defines them, and crucially, what their future ambitions are. Eliohi intends to collate these accounts and store them in the Great Library for future reference. And to make this easier, the Herald has arranged for Phaleron to station a small servant at the Imperial Regio throughout the next summit to collect these accounts. Any child who casts Operate Portal at the Imperial Regio, while publicly calling on the power of Phaleron will draw this Herald's attention. If they provide a single ingot of welt silver, then the herald will collect a single short piece of writing up to a hundred words and deliver it to the great library. Elioe's intention is that the children will use this opportunity to send her a short description describing themselves and their intentions. Elioe has indicated that they will attempt to use the spring equinox to respond to every valid piece of writing that they receive, and to thank those who have participated. On the topic of Eternals, there are a few watchful eyes that cast their glares at this sudden and widespread change throughout the Empire. Every eternal that the magicians of the Empire have spoken with has denied any responsibility, however, for the magic that created the Summer Children. But several of them are clearly intrigued by the possibilities they present and have made offers of aid to any Summer Child who will publicly pledge to them. After some initial disarray with many different proposals, the magicians of the Empire have managed to agree a common format with all but one of these Eternals. Barian, the Reeve of the Summer Lands, has offered to aid any child artisan who adds a piece of owl jewellery or an owl design to their outfit. In return, he will grant the child a boon that allows them to perform the timeless hammer rhythm, without cost, on one night during that summit. Kathan Kane, the immovable one, has offered a boon to any child who commits to add a symbol of a white bear into their personal heraldry or clothing. The boon will grant the child an additional rank of endurance for the following year. Eleonaris, the Lion of Summer, offers a boon to any child who creates a favour in her colours, red and gold, and pledges to wear it for one year. The favour can be as simple as a sash, formed by twisting red and gold fabrics together or as complex and glorious as the child pleases. In return, her boon will allow them one additional, you could say burst, of heroic ardor for the following year. Jahiris, the lord of the forest of Arden, has promised a reward for any child who publicly pledges to defeat their rivals without fear or favour and in return, the Moonsilver Prince will provide that child with an item that will allow them to create a single dose of the Crimson Gate to smooth their path to power. Meroad, the Summer Enchanter, has offered his aid to any child who proclaims themselves with a suitably grandiose epithet. Meroad himself has many such epithets, such as the Fire Mage The Lord of Summer Stars and the Summer Enchanter. But this name should be something the child intends to employ henceforth, as well as something they wish to strive to embody in their magic and in their life. In return, the Fire Mage will enchant the child with noble mien of the Hawk Lords. Calidus, the Prince of the Argentontine, offers a reward to any child who will publicly state that their heart is filled with greed. In return, the prince will provide them with their choice of either a single ring, a single crown or a single throne. However, he stipulates that they must return to the regia within a year to repay twice the amount given, or else default on their debts the City of Chains. Wise Rangara, the Ancient One, has offered a boon that can be claimed by any child who agrees to cover their right or left eye with an opaque patch. In return, the Wise One will grant the child a boon that allows them to exchange two doses of any common magical herb, such as Marrowwort or Truth of Vein. With another common magical herb, required to mix the potion once per preparation. The boon will last for a year until the child first removes their eye patch. If a child chooses to actually pull out an eye, then the ability is permanent until the eye is restored in some fashion. Rather gruesome, even for me. Ossagran, the cup bearer, has offered a boon to any child who will renounce all violence and dedicate themselves to the healing arts at the Imperial Regio. In return, Willowbraid will grant them a boon that will last for one year. And This boon will allow the recipient to cast the spell Heal, much more swiftly than usual, and only using a single charge of mana rather than two. Finally, The prince with a thousand foes, Ira Hara, urges the children of the Empire to avoid the schemes of all predatory Eternals. Now, if any child standing in the Imperial Regio asks Papa Otek for help, then he will grant them a small boon that will help them live free for the next year. The Eternals the Empire has negotiated with have made clear that they are interested in providing aid to the summer children. However, testing this already demonstrated that while they can tell the difference between an adult and a child, they can't tell the difference between a summer child and a child who has not experienced a magical coming of age this winter. They can, however, identify any child that has gained a benefit from another eternal so no child may receive a second boon from those mentioned above. And to finish off this evening's tale, one final offer has been made by an eternal, and the civil service are not making it public knowledge, but news of it has proved difficult to suppress. Aggramant the hunter in the wastes, has let it be known that any child who commits a crime against imperial law in the coming year will receive a boon from them when he learns what they have accomplished. As he is not omniscient, anyone who seeks his reward must write a short note detailing their crimes and mark it with a bloody thumbprint. Then, bring it down to the Imperial Reggio after dark. Speaking three of his names at the Reggio will cause the message to be transferred to one of his watching servants. Agrament is under enmity, so any deal with him would be illegal and will be investigated as treason. So there we have it, citizens. Quite the options for those of you with younger children, or indeed any of you who have also experienced such a growth spurt in the last few months. Now, whilst I can't under any circumstance condone crime, I must fully admit that Agrament's boon seems to be quite tempting. And it's only a shame I'm not a good decade younger. However, citizens, there are still more winds of fortune to decipher and unravel, but for now, keep your children close, or at least keep an eye on them, and if you see any odd red thumb stains upon letters in your house, well, I think it's time for a stern talking to. Hello, everybody. As an out of character note, I've got to say to PD, I love this. Uh, That was awesome. Uh, This was my my first time reading through it, and what a fantastic way of, uh, you know, just just a summer boon. The kids have grown up. Okay, great. Uh, And I hadn't even thought about this until I read this today. Like, congrats to PD for, once again, really good world building. But to have all of these boons as well, to get all of them back in, giving them all of them some side quests and, of course, giving them an option to give it crime. Oh, my goodness. I cannot wait for E1 this year. And I think this is going to make things especially fun. Uh, you know, all, all the owls and, and the bears are very cute on costumes. And the <laughs> there's going to be a bunch of kids running around with eye patches and others with uh, you know, red snaz on their thumbs. Whispering quietly at the Reggio, I, I think just watching the Reggio for an hour on uh, on one of the evenings would probably yield some fantastic stories. And if if any of these kids do pull off some despicable crime, <coughs> not encouraging that, we might see them in court. <laughs> and since they're full, you know, full-blooded citizens, they, you know, are first the full might of the law. So I, I think there's going to be some very exciting events coming up. And again, I cannot wait to go. So yeah, hope you enjoyed this episode and I'll catch you next time.